Okay, it is day one and it is officially happening. I am walking toward the theater where we're gonna have our auditions today for Happy Birthday McKenna. Day one of auditions. Let's see how this goes. Hey, I'm Heather Tyler. Hi, I'm Carl T. Wright. Hi, I'm Saratoga Ballantyne. And you're entering a world gone good. A world gone good. A world gone good. Well, hello, my name is Steve, and we are back, shining the light and finding the light in the darkness to prove to you, yes, you, there is still good out there in this world gone good. Have you missed me? Have you missed us? We've missed you. And now we're back spreading the good. Here we are. Welcome to World Gone Good. Okay, so before we took our break, you heard me talking nonstop ad nauseum over and over and over about my first new stupid play in 19 years called Happy Birthday McKenna. We ran every weekend in March and it was an amazing experience. It was so good, so amazing that I've decided to share it with you here on the pod. While we were doing auditions, while we were doing rehearsals, while we were had shows up, I recorded and I made interviews with the cast and people involved, and I've been going through, slagging my way through it all to put this, well, these new episodes together for you. So buckle up. Because you've got a front row seat to come play with us as we dive in to discover what is good about live theater. There's nothing like live theater. It, it's not going into a movie theater and sitting and looking at a screen. It is an interaction, whether intentional or not. Uh, it's a shared energy with an audience. And there is there is nothing like it. And I'm going to get emotional, as you like to say, because it's that important to me. It is a rare gift. Like There's very few things where you get to your job is to connect with people. That's what your job is. I mean, you may connect with people in your job when you're off work, but this is what we're here to do. Well, now I have the direct, the direct, um, what's the word? Comparison while we were doing this play, because I had the good fortune to be cast in a film that we were shooting uh, during the week and even on Saturdays. And then I was going to the theater and doing the play. And I said this to a girlfriend of mine. I said, I absolutely loved working on the film but when I got to the theater and I got into the start of the play I loved that we had a beginning and a middle and an end and my character went from one place to another when you do a film it's all chopped up and it's all cut up and you get to say a few things but it never feels to me and I've done a lot of movies and I've done a lot of television that you're doing a full thing. And this is very satisfying about theater. Being able to see a real person telling a story or acting as if a real story is real, I think is something that is just therapeutic and, and wonderful and allows you to like put yourself in that position in a little bit of a different way than a film does where you're kind of, you're, you're, mind is kind of like stripped away and it's just like you're like inside this whole experience of 
you know, the, the action taking place and you're like, oh, I'm inside it. And you kind of forget about yourself. Like in theater, I think people are very much aware of their own humanity and their own like, oh, sitting next to other humans in a space, watching other humans do weird stuff that isn't real, but then becomes real is kind of this like, it, it's a transformation in itself that I, mean, I think can and like you know in a, in a perfect world leaves leads to some kind of transformation like within within humans and that's what we're all trying to do is to like to reach people to get them to think a little differently like yes and also to provide them with a little bit of an escape like to provide a little bit of entertainment and um, to get them to laugh that connection then is the gift to the audience if the better we connect the more they get out of it and so it is it is a, a a grand gift to be able to spend those 90 minutes up on stage, 80 minutes, whatever it is, up on stage with these actors who, you know, I've grown to love watching and spending time with. Happy birthday, McKenna, began five years ago on a very cold morning in a cemetery just outside the city of Chicago. My husband, Jim, wanted to visit his mother's gravesite. And he remembered she was buried by a tree. Well, they moved the tree, but we found her. Actually, I did. It's part of the show. And as we stood in the cold, he said these words out loud. He said, you know what I should do? I should dig her up, have her cremated, and spread her ashes back in Santa Barbara. She never wanted to be buried here. And that is where the idea, the spark for this show first started. I spent over two years writing and rewriting the script. We did two different COVID-safe outdoor readings with two different groups of actors playing the 10 characters in the show. And then the time came when it finally felt right and safe to take the next step and put it into production. The last show I co-wrote and directed was in 2004. So um, I was a little nervous. I was a little rusty, but I trusted the script was strong enough to pull me through And I also trusted that with the right actors, we could do anything. It was quite a journey to get opening night up and going as four of the cast had to be replaced for various reasons. Again, trust the process, everybody, because it all worked out better than I could have hoped for. Heather L. Tyler auditioned for one part, understudied two parts, and wound up playing our lead, a completely other part, oldest sister character, Carolyn. Before we get our good on with Heather, here is a moment I recorded on closing night. It's actually from the very opening of the show with uh, Carolyn and Ray, played by Michael Dempsey, in action. The easiest way to get through today is just to see who arrives and who does it and just not bring anything up. (laughs) My house and I'm not allowed to bring anything up. What am I supposed to say when one or both walk in there? Say hello. Stick with hello. <laughs> hello. Hello. I'm not going to go through that door. I'm just going to repeat. Hello. Good. Perfect. Just keep saying hello over and over. And if anyone asks, I'll tell them you're having a stroke. <laughs> you know, if Deb shows up alone, we can assume that her and Mike. No, no, no. We cannot assume anything. Remember what happened last time we assumed? In my defense, she looked pregnant. (laughs) You look pregnant! That's just the way I stand. Heather Tyler, you're one of my favorite people. I say that to everybody. No, you are one of my favorite people. (laughs) 
<laughs> I know you. I know you do. <laughs> you see me. You see me in action. How I play everybody. I see you. Uh huh. Um, I love it. So how how did we meet? Tell everybody how we met. Um, well, we we met the day of the audition for the show Happy Birthday McKenna in the backstage space at the Hudson Theater. And that was like, what, this last November, 2022? Yeah, I think it was early, um, yeah, early December, I think even. Early December, yeah, because it was right before I left town for the holidays. And, um, and we hadn't met, but I knew Victoria Hoffman, the casting director, and um, she brought me in for your show. And what I, re- <laughs> what, <laughs> I don't know if I've ever told you the story. <laughs> Here's what I remember. Um, I talked to her a bit in the lobby before coming in. And then I go in and she introduces Kathleen, the producer, you, the director. Of course, I know her. And then um, Michael Dempsey was there. But all I heard was the name Ray. And this is Michael Dempsey playing Ray. And then everyone's like, oh, yeah, he's playing Ray. It's Ray, Ray this, Ray that. And I'm thinking, who the hell is Ray? Like, why do I care about Ray being here? I was so confused. And then we start the scene, and he's reading with me. But before we start, you go, do you have any questions? And I remember I, I was a little bit confused as to why he was reading with me on stage. So then I was thinking, maybe they want me to do something different than what I think I should be doing. So I asked, um, do you do you want me to play this out? You know, because this is theater. So, pl- or, or because he's here, and you kind of looked at me with this quizzical look. Like, <laughs> I think that's the stupidest question I've heard in my life. And you and you took a pause, and then you went, "Just play it straight to him." And I was like, "Okay, cool, cool, cool. This is okay. They want me to do. I'll just try it. I'll just try it." Because what I was doing was auditioning for the role of the younger sister, Deb. Right. And it was the bit where she's talking to the entire room full of family members and just kind of exploding on them. So in my mind, there were multiple places to play to, but I was like, okay, they want him to take it all. So I'll just give it all to whoever the hell Ray is. <laughs> so we start the scene and he says something first. And then I say, and I look at him and I was like, oh, we have very different sides here. That's when we realized that, um, he was there to read the scene with Carolyn, who I was not auditioning for. So that's what I remember about the first time I met you. I left there going, oh, my God, that director thinks I am the stupidest actor he has ever met. No, that's my fault. I'm the stupidest director because we were like – we were going through so many people and I was – there were people we brought in for Carolyn and people we brought in for Deb. And some we did, hey, will you do both, et cetera, et cetera. But we knew we were bringing you in for Deb. But in my mind, we had done so many Carolyns in a row. And so I was just like, oh, shit, we're doing a part of Carolyn. Oh, fuck, this is the wrong. Wait, what is she reading? Wait, what's happening? Well, that's a, that's a lovely, awkward way to say hello. Uh, yeah, that's nice. It's funny, in retrospect, in the moment, it was one of those audition horror feelings. But hey, look at how it turned out. Look at how it turned out. <laughs> and it turned out, didn't it? It It, it did. It, it, it did. There it was some did. twist to the turnout. I mean, anyone listening to this needs to know that. Um, I'll just put it this way: there was another actress that was hired to play the part of Carolyn, and and Heather here was full on rehearsing and and understudying um, the part of Carolyn, but she was going to play the part of Deb for one weekend, and so she was all like focused on that. And then when we let this other actress go. Uh, I called up Heather and I was like, so funny situation. 
and I fully told you, you can you can say no. You can say I like Deb. I want to stay in my Deb zone. What did you feel like when I called you up? What was your initial like when I called you and said so something some news? Were you like, oh shit? Or like, did you have any inkling that anything was going to happen? Or when you first called, I was like, oh my god, I thought I was just going crazy experiencing what I was witnessing, but then come to find out it, it, it wasn't just me. That was, that was the reality. So I felt validated. And then at the same time, my heart was sinking because as I'm sure yours was too, you never, you never want someone to fail. You never want something, especially as an artist, you, you want to see it, your, your fellow creatives thrive and succeed. Sure. So it was heartbreaking. It sure. really was. And then once it was like, hey, you, you can choose, I mean, you, I haven't told you another story. Maybe we'll come back to it either about why I was so connected to Deb, but I love Deb so much. I love that role. It's like not exactly me, but it feels more like where I fit in my personal family than Carolyn does. And so I was like, God, Carolyn drives me crazy. She's like, both of my sisters put together the parts of them that I don't like. <laughs> now, of course, I I find that she is actually, I I think, the part of them that I love. I've come to love in Carolyn too. But um I really, I really wrestled with letting Deb go. I mean, you're going to say, yeah, you wrestled for like all of five minutes because I think I called you back right away. But it's, <laughs> it's because Matt heard the conversation and brought, um, I was standing out on the balcony and he brought a blanket out and wrapped me up in it and patted me on the shoulder because he knew it was going to be a long chat. And then I think he went back in and then brought me out some scotch or something. And <laughs> <laughs> he was like, take as long as you need. But he also kind of had been pushing me to do the hard thing too. You know, just like spousal support, like do, do don't do the easy thing if you want to try the hard thing. Try the hard thing. Yeah, and that's what I that's what I said to you even. I said, I think it'll be a challenge for you and I think yeah. you should go for it. But I will respect you if you say no, I, either I don't have the time, I don't have the energy, or I really love the part I have. That's that's totally respectful. Yeah. I almost did. And I can't even tell you exactly why, why I, um, I'm not sure why I said yes. I'm trying to look at where I have resistance in, in, I've often found that where my resistance is, is the spot that needs attention. Like why, why am I resistant to this? And frequently when I've gone to that resistance, sometimes not even by choice, maybe just it just landed that that thing you didn't want to do is going to be what you have to do. And other times I've consciously been like, okay, I'm going to do this in spite of feeling this, this resistance. And it's obviously is that we all know the risk and the reward can be equal. And so I, it, and it definitely has been. Yeah. I, I, I miss Deb. She's right here. I know, but I'm happy. And you know what else helped is that you, you know, I was like, I, I, I still, I'm struggling. I'm trying to find Carolyn, and I'm just, I just don't know yet. And you know, we were a little bit further into the process than I would have been if I'd started thinking in her shoes. So you called me one day and you said, "I have a thought. Take your Deb." and put her into Carolyn. And that helps so much because they're sisters, number one. But number two, I I think I've been looking at her as such a different entity when a a lot of my, a lot of what was feeding into my Deb, I was able to then, you know, play with and filter through a Carolyn lens. And that helped a lot. 
We got a lot of compliments during this run specifically about the sisters' relationship. And you played opposite two actresses because we double cast the part of Deb. We had one for the first two weeks and another actress for the second two weeks. But in both of these situations, we got this constant many people saying feedback to me, oh my God, I love the sisters. It wasn't, they weren't even acting. That's, that is, they nailed it. They nailed it. My question to you is, do you, did you, do you feel that on a nightly basis when you're playing it? Are you in it that much? But also number two, two questions, uh, and remind me if you don't remember the second one, <laughs> but do you, was it a challenge to first work with Tracy and then go to Siggy? I have two sisters, an older and a younger. I'm in the middle. And our relationships are very different in a lot of ways, but there's a common thread. We're all very close. We have a very tight family, extended family. I'm talking second cousin, niece. It's a very small Southern town type of <laughs> families, everything. You you have you know meals together every night and, and everyone's together at least once a week. Um, so I found it very easy to connect with with a sister role because it is just especially when there's a little bit of there's love that per- pervades everything but there's a constant like bickering about stuff that doesn't mean anything but you just get it out because you you can because you're sisters and so i remember tracy played the role of deb first and i remember with tracy we would talk about how you know that they could turn around and have such a like big argument, but then but then sit next to each other, share a glass of wine, and toast each other in the next because that's what sisters do, and they they can forgive each other and move on. And so we we talked about that, and um, I I found yeah I found it just natural to honestly to this, all of the family members. It just really once um, once Tommy gets there, it just starts to feel like this is this is my home this is my family and once dad and lucille get there it's so weird but i really feel a connection with carl as as my stepdad and it's it's just like a it he feels like a warm blanket which is weird because i know the you know the in the plot of the show it's he's maybe not the most beloved member of the family by all he's in a he's an asbestos blanket (laughs) yes yes (laughs) But I think Carolyn and and him have had a a, a good relationship because you yeah. know she had he was he was the first grandpa to her kids and that is right. that's having that happen to me with both a stepfather and a stepmother be my only and first child's grandparents is a big thing you know so you your relationship deepens so anyway back to the sisters by the time the sister gets there it just is that other layer for me it feels yeah, in the moment, like I am interacting with a real family. And now speaking of the two actors, so Tracy also has um, uh, children and siblings. And she she and I, you had us at one rehearsal, just kind of change up how we were playing the fight. And we really dug into it almost as more like younger kids. And it was just so much fun. And she was just so easy to, to play that off of. And, you know, it, it was maybe too ridiculous in rehearsal and a little more grounded in performance, I hope, but you know, it, uh, it, it felt fun. Um, and then Siggy is very different. Just she, her stature is different. Her delivery is a little drier and she, it's, a, it's a just adjusting. So after our first weekend together, I would say I was more aware of having to like work at the relationship with her than with, with the first Deb, because 
it was like two sisters that have to work harder at the relationship, if that makes any sense. You're going into the final weekend of a show. You've done this before. You've been on this road before. In this specific specific instance of what we're going into this final weekend, are you going in excited? Is there a little bit of um, anxiousness? Is there a little bit of sadness? Like, what is what is the rev down like of going into an, a closing weekend? I am sad. Someone asked me that this weekend. A friend said, "How are you feeling about going into closing?" And I said, "I feel, yeah, I feel sad. I've really enjoyed working with all of the." Cast both both sets of brothers and sisters and the group all together, all the Irene's coming in, um, the whole team, you, Kathleen, Stephanie, and um, the theater crew's been nice. And it's just you know it's another it's another chapter that I have very fond memories of that I'm I'm feeling a little nostalgic already about realizing it's the last three performances. I don't feel any anxiousness about it. I feel, um, I always feel excitement the hours before. Okay. This is like Michael Dempsey always says, this is what we get to do. It's, it's a Friday night. And a lot of people in Los Angeles are, are either going to do crappy jobs or they're leaving their crappy jobs. Um, but we are going right now at five o'clock on a Friday, we are driving into Hollywood to go work, to do what we love to do. And that's how I feel every time I come in. It, it is, it's joyful. It's exciting. And the, the play is fun to do. It's, it's fun to, to laugh at, you know, each other with each other, have the audience laugh with you at you. Both are good. Um, <laughs> and to tell, to tell the story. And, and it's great because it's, it's, uh, it's such a sweet story uh, or as someone said, a story, it's a comedy with heart. So it's great on both sides. It's real. It's funny. And, and it's, it's touching. So it's, it's a great show to work on if you love those things. And if, if you don't love those things, you're probably not an actor. Dylan Whitrock was one of two actors sharing the role of Tommy, our lead guy and antagonist. Ben Holtzmuller played the part for the first two weekends. He also gave us a free couch. Thank you, Ben. Then Dylan took over for the final two. We spent some time talking together backstage about his good experience. I am literally backstage at the Hudson with Dylan Wittrock. Wittrock? Wittrock. 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 It's not really an interview. It's just me and you. Hello. When you walked in here on December, let's see, 10th or 11th? Mm-hmm. And now it's the last closing night. What's the arc? What's the feeling? What's going on? Um, wow. I mean, it's been, a, it's, it's been an interesting ride, you know. Um, I have to say I very rarely have walked into an audition and felt as connected to a character as I did with Tommy. I kind of initially felt like I can I can do this guy. I get this guy. I love this play, and and I you know want to do this. And it's 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 uh that hasn't happened um to me in a really long time, uh, and so then you know getting the chance to bring it to life has been so fun. I mean, as is usually the case with unfortunately a lot of these short runs, I feel like I'm just kind of getting to really getting to know him, and really you know the experience is really starting to deepen just now. 
It's been a, a, a little bit of a rocky road. <laughs> it hasn't been an easy, uh, you know, um, process, but that's just, I think that's just, you know, not that's more of the external, my external life and, and everyone else's external lives and getting, you know, 10 actors together in Los Angeles in modern days is, yeah, it's difficult, but the energy of the cast together through this has been so positive and wonderful, even as it's changed and ebbed and flowed. But I feel like it's, it found such a wonderful family life that really felt feels true and organic. And so it feels, um, yeah, I mean, really good. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm sad that it's over. I'm really, really sad that it's over. Yeah. I've, I've just had such a wonderful experience, like going on this ride with you too. And I, I, you like, uh, it's been, it's been, you know, great working with you as a director. And I feel like it's interesting to work with an, I don't think I've worked directly with an actor or with a director who's also a writer. You kind of like know how it sounds in your head and how you want it to sound. Um, but you did a really good job of being able to communicate that in a way that's not just in my head. It sounds like this. So do it like this and being open to trying new things and, um, and giving everyone, including myself, like space to, to grow and to, 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 ex- like, you know, to experiment a little bit. The main reason, if anyone listening right now, oh, spoiler alert, and it's a pot, it's a podcast, so you can't see this, but the main reason I hired Dylan is because basically we dress exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> we are literally in matching out almost down to the shoe. Oh, I should have worn my Jeans boots and sweaters. Yes. Yeah. With, uh, with the, with the, with the shirt. Yeah. Underneath. It's a little close. It's yeah. a little creepy, but I'm not Tommy. And I've said this a number of times. I'm not. I'm Parker. No, but I feel like your voice isn't Tommy. I'm everybody's uh, your voice. Your voice isn't everyone, <laughs> but your voice and I feel like a little bit of your personality yeah. is very much in him. Yeah. It, it, or like, you know. But a lot of my personality is in Carolyn, too. Yeah. Because I have that whole, you know, we're going to do it this way, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> as, every as you've director, experienced. <laughs> as every director kind of needs to have. You right. know, that's that's like the, the, you, you need to be able to literally tell people what to do. Um, no, but that's what's been so much fun about this character and getting to work on it with you who wrote it is that, like, I've been able to literally just kind of steal a little bit of things. Like, I'm, like, looking at you like, yeah, I'm going to steal that. <laughs> <laughs> Listening to you speak, I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to steal that a little bit, too. We um, had an actor who was working with us in the beginning, and it's probably not who you're thinking, but we had a few change-ups in the cast. But one of the actors one day got very upset about something. It was simply me asking for this actor to sit and I don't know if you were at this rehearsal, but I asked this actor to just, well, maybe you just take a seat at the table. And there was a whole argument about sitting. And then the actor in question turned to me and said, um, well, I think the writer's intent was actually, and all of your fellow actors, like their jaws, went, <gasps> and they like looked away and I leaned in because I was like, no, do go on. Tell me my intent. I would love, I want to hear where you're going with this. And this person was so wrapped up in their moment of not wanting to sit. And it's one of those things is, as an actor is like, and I bring this up for a reason is because it's like, there's times when it's just like, just try things. And so when you go against the grain in something, you know, and you have a big thing to go against is yourself because you're, you know, a, a straight married guy. You know, I don't know what you do on the side. It's your fucking business. No, no, no. What, you and the, what you and the lady do? That's your business. I'm kidding. Um, but the that's an agency as well is to take that on. Like I made a vow to myself to hire a gay man to play this part. And I brilliantly hired two straight men. I didn't, I can't ask you in an audition. So <laughs> what do you do on the weekends? Yeah. 
But it's like, so there's something that is something that a lot of straight actors are not comfortable with. I think that there's a couple things in what you just said, and I have opinions about them. And I think one of them is when you're, as an actor, when your director gives you a note, just take it. Make just, it work. Try just it. Just do it. Try it. And if it really, like, try it first, and then if it really doesn't feel good, change it. And also, you can you can take it, and then when it the show opens, you can just choose not to sit, because no one's going to be there telling you that. In, in my humble opinion, I mean, as an actor, but I, like, especially when it comes to go, go here, go there, sit down, stand up, be louder, be quieter. Uh, that's, I feel like, the director's biggest and most important job. Um, I mean, you, you said that you weren't a blocking director, but then I noticed there were lots of times where you were blocking the show. <laughs> I mean, like, you can't not. And that's what the, right. you need someone on the outside going, I think it's better if you sit. I think it's better if you go over there. And that's, those seem like such, those seem like such simple little things, but that, like, I mean, that's like, you know, choreographing 10 actors moving around on the stage is and making it look real and natural. Like there's an art to that. There's a real, real, it's real, very, very difficult there's art and finesse and it's difficult. And so I feel like when someone, you know, who is your director says, you know, sit down, there's a reason they're saying that. And there's also a time to defend yourself as an actor. Um, I mean, for me, coming into the role playing a a, a gay person, <laughs> I don't, you know, I personally, I don't, I, 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 I don't know if I'm running ruffle feathers, but I don't know if it matters. I don't know if Tommy's sexuality in this play is what is wonderful is that it just, you know, it's it's just accepted, and I, you know, it's it, there's if it were a different play about his maybe struggle with sexuality or people's other people's struggles struggles to accept his sexuality i could see where casting a straight man would be a bigger a bigger issue right because right? Right. you want somebody who is more likely can be closer to that um and who can say to a broader audience i'm closer to this i understand where this character is coming from and we should raise awareness because of this and for me i'm like well I've spent my entire life in the theater and around people of all different sexual persuasions. I don't really give a shit. And I don't think other people should give that much of a shit. <laughs> I don't think anybody should care that much or spend their, their time and energy focusing on, you know, who people are attracted to. It was very easy to work with Colbert and find a natural attraction to him and find that relationship. I mean, the relationships I think are the, the most important part. And if you have someone who can, portray what it's like to honestly love someone. I mean, like it's, you're stepping into someone else's skin. You should be able to kind of see through their eyes and find the people that they are attracted to. Like that shouldn't, if that that's part of the, the joy of getting to be an actor is that you get to see, you know, what it's like from a different person's perspective. Um, I don't know what else that's it. there is to say. That's it. <laughs> that's it. So like everything else in the world, the world of theater was greatly affected by COVID, so much so that it literally shut Broadway down, remember? And then you get a play like Happy Birthday McKenna where we have 10 actors on stage at the same time, unmasked, 
and up to 99 audience members in the audience looking and watching and laughing. And how do you not worry about COVID? Well, you ride the wave and you do it very, very carefully. The lockdown happens. COVID happens. And theater shifts, right? And yeah. we couldn't do what we wanted to do, right? For a very long time because we couldn't be all together. But now we yeah. can be together. And what is it like coming out of that cocoon and being back in front of a live audience, even though they're wearing masks? I've said this in the show before. I We make you wear masks at our show. I've had one person get in my face screaming at me about she wasn't going to wear a mask. And my response, this was in the cafe outside before you go into the theater. My response was, well, then you don't get to see the show. And her <laughs> friends laughing and her friends like, she'll wear it. She'll wear it. She walked in and took it immediately off. But um, 99.9% of people of our audience comes and puts the mask on. Y'all have been so great. We've been, you've listened to me. I begged you, please, please, during the week when we're not together, please be safe. What's it like to come at into a post-COVID and still COVID world and bring to life in a live situation? What what does all that feel like? Last year at the Amundsen, the Lehman trilogy was, you know, was there from its Broadway run. And it's it's this three-person show with these preeminent British actors. And then at the very end, there's a tiny, tiny section of an ensemble that comes on. And we basically do nothing but stand there. But it was a hard, long process to get that gig. And that is the first thing that brought me out of my cocoon in two years. Like it, it, I, I hadn't, I said no to commercial shoots. I said no to other theater things because I had an unvaccinated child at home. So standing there in the wings, waiting for that red light to turn green for my entrance, I would cry every night because I could feel, I could feel the audience. I could hear them. I could smell them. I could feel their intention coming towards the stage. And it just reminded me how important theater is. So after that experience, I started hitting every regional theater and I, I don't just mean in the West Coast. I was sending tapes to New York. I got a callback for uh, South uh, North Carolina, for still Magnolias. It didn't matter what it was. I, I told my reps, I want to do theater again. And I just started hitting it hard. And that's why I you know, talked to Victoria about your show, because I, I wanted to get back on stage. And now that it's actually happened... You know, I learned how to how how it could be a safe production if you do wear your mask, even when you're not at the theater, because it's your job to stay safe, so the production can continue, so that you can perform, so that no one gets sick. So between masking and our weekly testing, I felt very safe. I just wanted to remind everybody else to do those things too, because I just like no one gets sick, so we can have this great run. I love the experience of being in it together, and that that's why theater is important to me. You just don't get that unless you are there in the space together. And I'm so, so happy that even though COVID is still here, like my best friend missed opening night because she's a teacher. And the first freaking time that she took her mask off at school, two days later, she got COVID. So it's still here, but we can manage it. And I'm thankful that we can manage it and be safe and still do our shows. It has been, as as we do this show week after week, it has been such a, a joy to spend an hour and a half on stage with 10 people I don't know 
but feel like we are family. And and every show is like finding a rhythm and finding the vibration that suits us all because everybody's a little bit different, but we start off one place and then by the time everybody's on stage, we're all vibing together. And, you know, there were some shows where it was, it was rocking. Like we knew each other for 20, 30 years, like the story requires. And that was super, super cool to have that feeling because I haven't had that feeling in uh, probably ever on stage, not with, not with 10 people in a show. I mean, when you're doing a musical, yeah, you come on, you go, you go backstage, you do whatever. We're all there the whole time. So it, it's very rare that you get that experience to connect with everybody at the same time. Tracy and I have been in shows together where she's off stage and I'm on stage and then I go off stage and she's on stage. So we weren't together. We were together in the, the last show that we did, but it happens more often than not that you do a, a, a play with people and you spend much of it off stage listening to them perform. And my character has the, you know, wonderful opportunity to just sit in that chair and watch everybody go at it. And it is so much fun to that's that's how I connect. I'm like I'm really connecting. I'm really watching them and enjoying the show. The world of COVID. Yes, the world changed, of COVID. The world of COVID is the name of the my next show. Changed um everything about theater. And you were doing a show, Little Red Riding Hood, which was for like a kid's show, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. A kid's show that's really got a few good laughs for adults, too. I mean, it's very well written. Uh, Lloyd and Barbara Schwartz have run the Children's Theater at Theater West. It's called Storybook Theater for 30 years. It is it is one of probably the, the best children's theater experiences in Los Angeles, if you have kids. And there have been kids that came. Now they're grown up and they're bringing their kids. You know, it's like had that kind of a following. So, yeah, that was a great thing. But I certainly was not... Um, you know, working in an adult arena. However, the masks, the testing, uh, we used to bring the kids on stage for a lot more of the show, interactive with them. No, that stopped. Um, photos afterwards, uh, you know, we didn't touch anybody. Uh, we all washed our hands. I mean, we had to be tested. It, it was very different, very different than when I did Snow White, which was another fine, fine musical performance I got to do, The Wicked Queen, uh, when we didn't have COVID yet. And that was a much more um, touchy, feely, bring the kids on stage, you know, let them let them see Snow White, you know, let the let's see the handsome prince bring her back to life, you know, and take pictures with us and hug us and all that. That was over for this uh, Little Red Riding Hood show. We, we could not do that. Was that the first show you had done post-COVID? Uh, you mean your show? No, I mean Snow White. Was oh, yeah. That, or um, I, Little Red Riding no, Hood. Yeah, that was the first show I'd done. Yes. Uh, yes. In front of a absolutely. live audience. Yes, exactly. Yes. And then you merged over to us. Yes. Where it was even stricter, actually, because uh, there were more of us on stage. You know, in Little Red Riding Hood, I think there's only five five characters. So this was a much bigger cast. And we did have people come and go. 
And you were very conscientious about that, which I was grateful for. I mean, I, they call me a super dodger. I somehow have managed to not get it. And I don't want it at this point just because, because. So I was grateful to um, for all the precautions and all the um, protocol and all that stuff. I, I wouldn't have carped at any of it. I didn't carp. No carping. It's funny. There's a, a fellow show up right now, our good friends over at For the Love of a Glove, and they had a COVID outbreak in the cast. And they had six members get it. They had a cast of, I think they have a cast of 15 or 18. It's a big cast. So, I mean, bigger than us. We're 10, which is a pretty big cast. Mm-hmm. But six of them got sick. They had to close an entire weekend. And as a, you know, I am a producer too, and you're a producer, you know, it's like, oh my God, now I got to deal with 300 plus people rescheduling all them or refunding them. You're figuring that nightmare out. But then what they did is they have their understudies. So they were able to rev up their understudies and move the understudies in for the next weekend. Um, But it was a lot, right? And I thought, it's so disruptive and it's so crazy. And I'm like, I was so glad we didn't get it. And I got too cocky because Saturday night when the lights went out, the lights <laughs> went out in Georgia, the lights went out two full blocks of Hollywood. I was like, what the fuck is happening? But I went out there and I said to the audience, you probably heard me. Look, we got two choices. We can send you home and we'll refund your money or invite you to another night or the show must go on. We perform the lights with the lights on that you have right now. Would you like to see the show? Not one person left. And you all delivered. You all played like it was a regular show. And it was a regular show. It was a poorly lit regular show. (laughs) (laughs) But you all delivered. And that's the magic of – and you were talking about this. That's the magic of theater. But that's also the magic of life because shit's going to happen. And you just have to make decisions in your life of like, no – it has to be lit this way. It has to go this way. Everyone go home. I'm not doing it unless it's my way or – you roll with what you're given. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it for sure. I could have used hearing that right about the time I was auditioning for Happy Birthday Weekend. <laughs> Our good journey into the world of plays and theater and McKenna's birthday party continues next week. Did I mention this was a two-parter? It's a two-parter, people. We're going to dive in deeper with Carl and Sarah and more next time. Until then, be good. Be good.